Hello and welcome to Production Wise, the podcast in which we celebrate the work of the greatest music producers by listening to their complete production discography to find out what the fuss is all about, what connects them, what makes them so marvellous. Um, I'm your host, James. I'm joined by your host, Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello. Nice to hear from Graham. Always nice to hear from Graham. Um, and I can tell there's a slightly timorous quality to Graham's voice this week. I have a suspe- I have a suspicion it's because this is our season finale, or as we say here in the UK, our series finale. I actually come to realise that the American uh, the American way is, is is the right way to go, but let's not get into that at the moment. Um, this is our series finale. It's part two of our Mad Lib special. By now, I hope you have an understanding of who and what Mad Lib is. The amazing thing is, we've not yet even gotten to Mad Lib's greatest and most celebrated work. We've possibly covered the work that is the most genius and the most surprising. But this week, we're really going to get into his big, 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 big hits. What sort of stuff are we going to be talking about in this in this episode, Graham? We're going to be talking about Guilty Simpson, his work with Freddie Gibbs, The Professionals with his brother Ono, but most importantly, we're going to be talking about Mad Villain. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Mad Villain, his famed collaboration with the late MF Doom. As we said in our last episode, this is our humble tribute to the great man himself, MF Doom. Um, but obviously, it's not all about him. This is really about the amazing work of Mad Lib. We'll speak to you when it's all done, but we hope you enjoy this one. It's Mad Lib. So we've got a big one now. Ooh. So we're going to return to MF Dune, uh, R.I.P. And Mad Villainy by Mad Villain. Big one. Do you, did you listen to this at the time? Uh, I probably first listened when to this album this? in about 2009, 10. Um, okay, yeah. So this, this, this one, this, you know, for a long time, this has been one of those, like album covers I would see and uh, projects that I would see name-checked as, as a great album. Um, I always thought it was going to be... I don't know if you're familiar with this album. I always thought it was going to be like the Cannibal Ox album. Um, I thought it was going to be very, very underground, thuggish, aggressive, kind of difficult, bleepy, industrial kind of thing, just just based on the name and the and the album cover. Um, and when I put it on the first time, ten or so years ago, uh, I'd never, you know, I'd never heard Madlib. I'd never heard MF Doom. MF Doom's voice is that cold-blooded sound. He's got that very raspy voice. And I thought, okay, what I thought this album was going to be is what it is. But then you get hit with the production, and you start listening to Doom's lyrics. And it's a totally different picture all of a sudden. Some of the things he's saying is so eccentric and old-fashioned, kind of anglicised. 
and the 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 the, the musical palette. You know, you're you're getting in, you're getting introduced to Madlib as a producer in kind of all his glory here. Um, and I had really, I don't think, ever heard a hip hop project like this before that point. Um, what about you? Were you familiar with it? Yeah, I remember listening to it uh, a couple of years after it came out, maybe like one to two years after it came out. Wow, cool. Um, again, from my cousin sort of giving me all of his music. And it's interesting with the cover. It kind of... Because almost every other MF Doom collaboration or album has a illustrated cover. Mm. And it's sort of like his music does kind of suit that kind of comic booky vibe. Yeah. And this this one, when you listen to it, kind of would be the most to suit that. But it is quite cool that they went for this. It's such a stark, clear-cut, like, photographic image of him in his mask. Very bold. It, I, I remember seeing this album everywhere. Right. In rec- record shops and thing, you know, on CD, like, everywhere. Yeah. Um, is it a good album, Graham? It's a very, I would say this is his... This is one of the magnum opuses of this discography. Yeah. For both, I'd say, you know. This is just... This, there's there's an unquantifiable thing that this album has. Yeah, it's Cause got... Because it, it has a lot of similar production to some other albums, and it's got, you know... And MF Doom is brilliant on a lot of other albums as well. Mm. Um, but this this is something that some of the others don't doesn't have for some reason. I don't know well, what it is. I mean, I've I've mentioned I've mentioned MF Doom on this before um, when we were talking about um, uh, Danger Mouse. I didn't bring him up, obviously. Yep. You know, he was he was one of the he was one of the projects we were working on. Um, and I've also mentioned in this episode, I'm not. You know, you don't need to be the best rapper in the world for me to like you. Um, you know, you can you can be a pretty bog standard rapper as long as you suit the production you're over, and I, I don't feel like there's too much effort going in. And um, but I do consider MF do you know? Lots of people consider him to be the best ever or whatever. I don't know about that. Um, I do definitely consider uh, MF Graham is eating something crunchy. Just so you know, um, I do consider. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he's he's just trying to eat it now. Um, I do consider MF Doom to be a writer. Um, he 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 does. He has a facility with words that very few, that not many writers have, in my opinion. Um, the the strangeness of his vocabulary, um, the way the way he uses sort of. Old-fashioned speech, um, the the way he uses internal rhymes. I mean, all the things you hear about with MF Doom. You know, he he does them all the time, and he does them almost effortlessly. He found he sounds like he's he's sat in a chair when he's rapping. He sounds like he's not even stood up. Um, and I feel like he can just turn it on and turn it off. And and you do hear that on this album, and I'll, we'll talk about it in, in in a moment. But he can just he can just do it on request. I think. Um, I do basically think this is. Mad Lib's best collection of tracks. Um, yeah, you know they're they're very 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 special, and the way that they 
are sequenced and move from one to the other, um, you 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 do feel like you're being welcomed into a world. Um, it, yeah, it, it's it's pretty uh, virtuosic going going from one track to the other, and you keep getting these little pockets of one track after another, which is just these sequences that just the the quality doesn't let up until there's a little interlude or a little something or other. Um, yeah, it's 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 kind of too big for words. This album, I think. I kind of love how this album is so light and dark. It's sinister, but it's also got a bit of like playfulness about it as well. Very playful. It's it's cool that like some of it was done in Brazil. He just did went to Brazil and got some records, and mm-hmm. like in his hotel room, he laid down some of the beats. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that they were going to release it, and then it got leaked. A demo got leaked, and then they just they just left it for a couple of years because they were just like fuck it like <laughs> they just lost you know they didn't want to release something that everyone had already heard right right um but there are so many standout tracks i think also it's one of the biggest tracks like accordion yeah was quite a big track and that is so that that's the main hook of that song is um a song by daedalus yeah which he sampled accordion by daedalus but yeah it just suits the way it's been re-contextualised here so much, and the fact that it like, almost opens the album, and Doom sounds so good on it. He, he does. And, yeah, the, the mad thing about about the... Um, if you listen to the the, the original Daedalus track, um, you can hear him performing it. He's like... he's You can hear him pressing buttons on a... Yeah. On a, um, on a sampler, on a, on a drum machine. But here... You don't hear any of that. I mean, like, it's the same thing. But if you listen to the original, it really doesn't sound anything like what you get on this album. Um, so, you know, Madlib does have quality control. He does want to make things sound nice. He does want to change them. He does his little yeah. alchemical thing. You don't really know what that is. But by the time it arrives on this album, it's 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 something new and something different. It's something better. Um Really, I mean, I've not heard the, that full Daedalus, Daedalus track. I've just heard like the bit that's sampled. Um, but it's amazing how cleaned up and not live it sounds. Um, and the little, the little bass line that drops in, it's just, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I, that being the first thing you hear. I mean, I love, I love the overly dramatic villainous intro, which I think it brings <laughs> yeah. together. You know, his, his, his albums are full of, of things like this. I love his little sound collages. Sometimes they're a bit um, intrusive on his on his own albums, but here it's just I just find it so funny. All the screaming and, and people don't touch that, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're getting to accordion, it, it yeah, it, it's 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 amazing. It really is amazing. It's also that the album sort of starts off with this sort of sl- kind of slow, sort of heavy kind of song. It's it, you know, it's not all. Some of the some of the more notable tracks, you know, are, are nicely tucked in the middle and the mm, end. True. Well, um, almost. I like I like that Bistro comes in, and it's sort of yeah. like the intro after the intro. So 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you get a couple of songs just to sort of, like, listen to it. But then Bistro comes in and Doom introduces himself, the band he introduces, Yesterday's New Quintet introduces Lord Quaz, Mad Lib. He kind of brings you... He's like, you know, come sit down, have some food, have a drink, you know, here we are. Um, and then the album really gets going with Raid and the, the, the pace picks up massively. You know, it's a really high-energy moment all of a sudden. Very, very jazzy and brisk. Um, and I think that's when it's, we you go into kind of like full mad villain mode. It's super tropical as well, isn't it? It's like it's yeah, got very like a exotic. nice buttery flow to it. Yeah, it's good. Um, uh, and, it's and interesting also the getting, first bit. Oh, no, I was just going to say the little like the the way Raid goes from the the jazziness into that. Yeah, it's it is a. It's a bit overwhelming, of, you know, uh, to just just being hit with so much different stuff, uh, one thing after the other. It feels like the first couple of the tracks are like the opening scene, yes. And then, you know, Bistro's like like the 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 opening titles, and then and then it really starts. Yes. The movie actually like it, this also feels like quite a cinematic album, like probably because he puts so much, he uses so much film stuff in this, but. Well, I personally... I mean, I like... Do Not Fire is amazing. Do Not Fire? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, yeah, all it's the instrumental. Little, all the little instrumental... Um, well, I, you know what that does for me? I was only thinking... Cause I, I mean, I saved... Because this is the album I'm most familiar with of all of these albums. Um, I saved listening to it till today. I, I, just, I took it out for a walk to just... You know, just just let it with all the context of it, all the other Madlib I've listened to. What does it say about this? Does it change how I feel about it? Do I think he repeats himself on this or anything like that? Um, but I've realised I like an album that feels like a gauntlet. I like I like albums to go through phases. Uh, it's why I like Boards of Canada so much. All their albums are, are split up with interludes and little pockets of tracks that work together in a sequence and then it's almost like you shift up levels throughout the album and you you know there's kind of like atmospheric atmospheric shifts the further in you get particularly on an album like this which has got so many tracks um and those instrumentals kind of help that happen so you just you you know you get these amazing runs of tracks that have have an atmosphere to them then they're chopped up. There'll be a little dialogue or, or an instrumental, and then you you move on to something else. So by the time you get to, um, you know, Shadows of Tomorrow, Operation Lifesaver, it's like you've you've got you've gone up a level. You've gone up a story kind of thing by that point. Yeah. Um, do, do you have a favourite? portion of this album do you, do you i mean is is what's the most mad villainy bit of mad villain for you i think the i think all caps like super villain theme to rhinestone cowboys so the last four tracks so all caps great day i just think they're incredible that is i think i, I, I agree between all caps and rhinestone cowboy like the, the all caps the fact that it, it it's a sample of um ironside like an ironside episode i love it <laughs> it's so and like that hypnotic like piano loop and stuff it's so good yes. um and then rhinestone and cowboy also, i love it, this like siren in it it's so weird that that, that is deeply spooky that that there, there, this 
what I love about this album, you get it, you get it very much in Rainbows. Definitely get it in Rhinestone Cowboy. Get it in Fancy Clown. You get the feeling of MF Doom being this lonely, freakish character. You know, you get the impression that he can't take the mask off. You know what I mean? He feels like this album makes him feel like a tragic character. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's best on Rhinestone Cowboy. There's just something about the darkness of that beat that's 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 like elemental. Um, I also love the the way. So so tons of Madlibs um, productions are interrupted by samples that just like chatter over it, and 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 you know this. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like a total mess. Rhinestone Cowboy keeps getting interrupted by applause. Um, like whooping kind of comedy club applause, yeah. and you know to the extent that it's it's almost um, it's like calling for an encore. So you know, like the, the the song the song goes on, the applause comes in. He starts wrapping up. It's a rhinestone cowboy. Then it drops out. There's applause. It comes back in. And he starts rapping more, and he's like, "No, no, enough, enough, enough." All right, and then he goes again, and it's just this album. Oh, yeah, I just, I just love the way that track just won't stop. The album keeps coming back in, and you just get one more verse. Love it. It kind, of, it kind of feels to me like that's like the end credits as well. It's sort of yeah. like, and that's just like the celebration round of like what they've achieved. Yeah, because uh, Great Day like, that so- sounds like the ending, and then yeah, Rhymes yeah. Down. It's the ending after the ending. I just yeah I this is one that like also you can listen to it a million times and still find different bits and pieces in there Definitely. that you haven't heard before and stuff. I love the way he, he likes to take like vocal samples from like the end of other songs and things. Mm-hmm. Little little bits of people just like sort of saying something odd to end a track <laughs> or whatever, and then he'll just like throw that in the middle of a track. I just think it's great. Yes. Yeah. Um, th- this is this is such a, a difficult album to talk about just because it's so you know it's so frequently referenced and it's so revered and you know it can possibly be um uh kind of exaggeratedly praised sometimes but you know that that it's you know that it's 46 minutes long um and it's just so packed with stuff it's so packed with unusual stuff um and you know, I I just kept thinking, you know, what would, what would, curls or money folder or whatever sound like with strong arm steady wrapping over it? Would that work? You know, it 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 does feel like it could only be Madlib. It could only be MF Doom on this. Um, yeah, well 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 done, well done, lads. Yeah, well done, guys. Um, yeah, I think it sort of speaks for itself. So. We've probably said as much as we can. Um, basically, once you finish listening to this, everyone should just go and listen to that it, straight away, really. Especially if you haven't ever heard it. If you've never heard it, put it on now. Just pause us, have a listen, and come back. <laughs> you know what, Graham? That's my favourite joke in any podcast, when, uh, when, when, the, when, the, <laughs> when the presenters tell you to, to pause it and go do something else. And anyway, yeah. um, just, like, just stop listening at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, amazing album. Good stuff. So we're now going to talk about um, a score of albums. So Dudley Perkins' Expressions, 2006. Percy P, Perseverance, 2007. 
uh, Talib Kweli. Kweli? 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 Yeah, Talib Kweli. Liberation, 2007. Strong Arm Steady in Search of Stony Jackson, 2010. And... Guilty Simpson, O.J. Simpson, also 2010, strong year. Mm. Georgia Ann Muldrow, Seed, 2012. So these are all kind of him really going out and producing other people. Some strong rappers in there. Yeah, these are his and big singers and albums. artists. Yeah. So I will say that I did not listen to Dudley Perkins' expressions, although I really wanted to. Uh, what was that like? Uh, I did listen to it, and um, it's 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 not a very taxing album. It's a pretty it's a pretty quick one, um, and um, I actually didn't know that um, Dudley Perkins was uh, Declaim. Makes sense because they right. have the same voice. Um, <laughs> but um, this is this is not a rap this is not a rap album. Uh, D- Dudley is definitely kind of singing this is a bit more of a funk hip-hop album than, than a straight up rap album um i basically thought that um dudley was pretty lucky to have mad lib um it, it starts off very strong strong with funky dudley like it's just an unbelievable funk groove and the, the sort of hardness of the funk on that first track is pretty amazing but um, very quickly, Dudley Perkins' um, vocal performance b- loses its flavour. He, he hasn't got a lot going on. Um, he's, you know, the approach here is is that of someone like um, uh, D'Angelo or something like that. You know, that that that's the kind of realm that he exists in. But he is not D'Angelo, this guy <laughs> at all. Um, and lyrically, I think at times very weak i mean he's saying some ridiculously stupid things at times um but the production throughout really is top notch doesn't have the eccentricity of of the best madlib stuff but as far as like very very classy funky madlib instrumentals i mean there's just like one after the other and the, the probably this is becoming like my uh catchphrase on this podcast but the the best stuff is 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 really excellent um but yeah dudley really lets it down i, I just I, on the song uh, dear god where he's talking to god it's just a, an amazing instrumental and he's just talking rubbish on it um and I, I i i just wrote this guy is lucky to be working with such a genius with it being sort of not really a hip-hop album more of a funky kind of yeah. Thing. Does it sit kind of well with um, Georgia and Muldrow's seeds? Because um, I found that when I was listening, because that's his wife, right. first and foremost. Okay. That's uh, Dudley Perkins' wife. Um, but I found I was interested when I was listening to that because I was kind of like, hey, this is really a soulful, funky, you know, it, it kind of feels like a break in the discography of yeah. Mad Lib, of him flexing different muscles. Yeah, um, I I, well, I enjoyed the um, uh, the Anne. What's her name? Georgia Anne Muldrow. <laughs> Georgia Anne Muldrow. I enjoyed that a lot more than the the, than the Dudley Perkins. Um, I liked I, again. That was a very quick project, very short. Um, she she kind of just yeah. she did her thing. Um, you know, she's got this very kind of like 
spiritual, slightly slightly magic thing going on with her vocal. But most of the tracks just get in, make their point, and get out. A lot of them are very very short, um, and she she's just she's just kind of doing her thing. A, a lot of these instrumentals on on her album on Seeds, I just thought they could loop for for for, for an hour, and I'd happily just listen to them go and go. They really suit her style, and I do. I actually, I do think um, he he's good at doing uh, at backing up R and B. Um, I, I like him doing his slightly slower, funkier, more melodic stuff when he's doing his more straight up accessible production. Mm. Yeah, I just thought that seeing, seeing you hear about talking about Dudley, it sounded like they were kind of like similar kind of albums. Just like maybe hers is a bit more worked a bit well because i know that she did i think she self-produces and she's like written loads of albums i think this is one of the few albums where she's handed production to someone else um but people seem to really like that one as well i i like i liked some of the um tracks like there was one called um kneecap jelly was really cool Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was such a just weird track yeah um lyrically there was one i really liked i really liked the track best love Purely because mm. it was talking about, um, it was talking about trying to make the world a better place with the person you love. Like it was a song about charity, and like doing volunteer work and stuff like that. But it was like a nice, fun, romantic, <laughs> funk song. It was, it was really nice. I just like that she had an actual point of view, lyrically. You know, she was, she was yeah, bringing. It ideas. wasn't just, wasn't just endless rap battles, but being the best. Yeah. MC. Speaking of, <laughs> right. Percy P, Perseverance. Yeah. What did you think of this? I personally uh, yes. prefer Percy P, Perseverance, to anything we've listened to so far. No, I'm <laughs> just trying to make P words. Yeah. Um, I really like this album. It's good. I, I really liked it. Did you like it? It was. It was. A, yeah. It was a good one. Um, you know, I'll say at this point, I didn't. I didn't like these collaborative albums all that much from the late 2000s i i think the late 2000s i, I think the 2000s is a bad time for hip-hop personally um and you know the, the, i really think there was nobody good who had a mainstream presence at the time um and you know you would think oh you know the the, the underground will be full of people but uh, i i just didn't think much of of, of these mcs percy p had a very uninteresting voice for me but the production was still pretty strong, um, stronger than the Talib Kweli and the. Um, was it? Better? I just think you know what. Strong Arm Steady was my probably my least favourite of these of these rappers. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't stand his voice. I just found his voice really annoying, and he keeps popping up on these Madlib tracks. Like he's on, t- he features on tons of them. Um, but I just, I don't know about you. I, I just think these guys they're just blokes with big t-shirts and hats on. I mean, there's, there's like, there's kind of nothing. There's nothing to invest in with 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 these rappers. They're just rap. They're just rappers. They can just rap, and you know, like, I'm not saying they're bad at it, but there's kind of there's no personality to to get invested in for me. I love them. I think they're great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, no, I want to hear them. What, what you know? No, I think I think what I liked about um, Percy P was his sort of... I thought I liked his delivery. Sure. 
it kind of harkened back to like kind of old school rap a little bit. It was, you know, it wasn't too. It was quite just simple, and it really lets Madlib's production kind of shine. Obviously, that's not a brilliant thing, where, but you know, I, I thought his production on um, what was it, The Man to Praise, right? Was that was like such a banging tune? Oh yeah, um, yeah and then yeah, also yeah. they did. He did a song with Aesop Rock, and I was like, it's Aesop Rock. <laughs> I haven't heard him in a while, hey. you know? I kind of liked that era just because it was it was somewhere in between, you know, like sort of 90s rap and what rap has now turned into, which is a bit more conscious, but also a little bit more like rougher around the edges, like a bit rawer. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's I, like a nice in between. I think it's interesting with Percy P that I think he was about 20 years into his career and this... That, that that's his debut album um yeah <laughs> you know so so he is a real veteran veteran at the time and so he he is more or less from a different era um you know by the by the time he's making his actual sort of commercially available debut um of the three of these collaborations i didn't like his was probably the the the, the best um the the you know i i i just kind of think because his approach is aggressive, um, yeah, it kind of doesn't really bring the best out of Madlib. Um, there's no room for for eccentricity, and you do, you know, you do get good beats on these albums. Um, but I feel like he's kind of like you say, he makes the beats, he sends you the beats, and you have the ones you want. Yeah, um, and I think the ones they want are the ones that serve their confidence the most and serve. Uh, so they're a bit overly smooth and a bit and a bit edgeless. Yeah. I found some of them really banged and some of them were great. Um, and when we, you know, when we come to put the playlist together, there are definitely tunes from all of these albums that I would include um, because I just think there's some there's some some great moments and one or two sort of classic Madlib uh, instrumentals. Um, and I think the Percy P album has the most of of those ones. Talib Kweli. Um, I just don't like him. I don't, I, you know, I just, I just don't, I just don't like him as a rapper I, personally. I, I like him in uh, was it Black Star with Moz Def. I like right. kind of like them as duo, but yeah. with this, yeah, it just did nothing for me at all. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised with myself. I was kind of like, hey, you know, people love him, but it just, it was just, I've just, it was just like consistently good, but it wasn't like anything. Nothing stood out. No. Um... Yeah, it was kind of. But the beats were good. It was fine. Yeah, it was kind of fine for the most part. Um, I thought, what can I do? Had had a pretty great beat. You know, had sometimes yeah. you hear with with Mad Lib this kind of like folky, almost medieval thing coming in with the instrumentation, which was which was really nice in that, and had a great uh, sample hook. Um, also, I thought with the, with the tr- with the song the function that had a that had a great instrumental. But you know, you hear it on Rainbows and Mad Villainy. Um, you hear it later with the Blue and um, an Med collaboration with the song Burgundy Whip, and you hear it on the Function, where Madlib brings such a memorable instrumental, and the melody is so strange that they sing over it, um, and that forms the 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 the, the main hook. So for Burgundy Whip, it's great. It was a Burgundy Whip. You know, that's fun. Yeah. But on the function, it's 
awful. I mean, it, terrible. <laughs> um, and the same with uh, the song uh, Home. Uh, it, I, I, I wrote This Hook Is Going To Kill Me. Like, it's a five-plus-minute song, and they sing the hook so many times. And every single time, they're singing over the instrumental, so you can't even really hear what the instrumental is. Um mm. And I thought the song Soul Music on the Talib Kweli, like the singing on it, there's a vocal f- feature from somebody, I thought was so amateurish. I mean, I thought really, really bad singing on that. Um, but the, the main problem I had was just the relentless loudness and clarity of the vocals. They're so pushed forward. Um, and I mean, well, this, this album is 30 minutes long. It was killing me by the end. I just... Oh. Um, so... Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's that's enough of that. It didn't really work for either of us, really. Um, so, strong arm steady. So, we're both sort of coming at this at different. Act. You you really didn't like this. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like Jackson. him. I didn't like him. I, I, you know what? Listening back to it, it was better than than I gave it credit for the first time I heard it. Definitely. Because they are they are a group, but uh, the main guys filled the agony. Oh, um, okay. Oh, there's three. There's Phil de Agony and Crondom, but uh, Mitchie Slick, who's the last member, he's only on two tracks, so he wasn't in it that much. Right. On this album, I was wondering um, what's going on with this. Yeah, so they are a group. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I like how weird he goes with the samples. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how clean. He goes with the production. Sure. This could be one of the like, like commercial sounding ones he's made, hip hop albums. It's weird. The only problem I have with this is the the production is w- completely better than the vo- like vocals. The vocals it outshines it in every element. It's it's yeah. true. It's true. Um, yeah. I, I, this the, this was I struggled with this album more than I did with the jazz, um, just because I was like. I feel like this. What is this album? You know what I mean. I just I, it was it was really frustrating me that I just couldn't get my head around it. Um, I knew it was better than I was giving it credit for, and I was like, "What am I disliking about this? What am I not getting on with?" It's still kind of out of my grasp. This album. I'm being probably a bit unfair about it. I think you know what it was. It was just it was like going from Percy P, Strong Arm Steady, Talib Kweli. Yeah. All you know, I did. I kind of did them all quite close together. And by the end, I was like, I am sick of this flavour, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I need to I need to go back to it. I, again? Do I really want to do that again? I think there are a couple of tracks that are interesting that maybe you should just listen to them at some point. Like, Bark Like a Dog. That was, was great. Cool, just because it, the the sample of um, uh, Virgo's Daughter by Skids Row, just the fact that he's taken this rock song and he makes it very cool and no, 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 no. funky... Yeah. yeah, that was a, that two was pistols a great song, well. actually, yeah. And I, I like Two Pistols, which sampled Everything Is All Right Now by Chuck Bernard. Okay. It's just, I, th- I thought the samples were pretty cool on this one. It was kind of like a little bit, there was a couple of like tropical ones as well that was obviously from his like Brazil stuff that he was using for um, Mad Felon. So it was like a nice little crossover. I had but... forgotten about Bart Like a Dog. That, that's one of my favourites, <laughs> yeah. full stop. <laughs> I love, love that song, that's great. <laughs> Um, Guilty Simpson, OJ Simpson. What do you What do you think of Mister Mister Simpson as a rapper? 
So, okay. So, I mean, gu- gu- Guilty Simpson is kind of perfect for for this production. I would say he's he's not he's not too much of a focus puller. So he's got he's he's got enough authority and he can rap, you know, and that's kind of all I need. He's got a decent enough voice. Um, what he one of his big strengths, I would say, is bringing a good like cold blooded hook. Um, he's 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 good with his vocal hooks, like his little, um, uh, you know, I'm like Lance of the Tour de France, and uh, there's a you know, when he's when he's doing the you know the hood sentence, good riddance, uh, you know, I love I love all that stuff, and the way that that tune starts with him saying, uh, do your research, and then the the, the beat drops with it. Um, but the, the this this was another one of of. Um, of Madlib just being completely given free reign to just go mad, like <laughs> yeah, this album is just all over the place. What did you What did you think of this one? I thought it was great. It, it's I love I love his he's sort of aggressive, mm-hmm. but he's not too aggressive with his delivery. He's just sort of like he's a big presence basically. Yeah. So it's it's nice to hear him. I think I always like where Madlib's production is sort of being going toe-to-toe with with the rapper and artist yeah. and they're not sort of like they're both like fighting for dominance in the song um yeah i thought oj simpson karma of a kingpin hood sentence coroner's music <sighs> was like my favorite just because that was such a dark dark beat yes that was know? like horror movie criminal kind of kind yeah. of vibe love that one that's i think i mean that might be you know as far as like here's a here's a here's a rap beat that might be one of his best just straight up rap beats um but this is i mean so so i kind of that this album has a prelude and an intro and then there's the first track you know it, <laughs> yeah. it kind of says a lot about this album because it's full i mean there's loads particularly on this one there's loads of stand-up comedy um samples like starts off with a bunch of richard pryor um, and then a, you know a bunch of stuff that wasn't familiar to me, but you, you know you're hearing loads and loads of stand up um, stand up comedy um, samples. But um, I, I mean, the, the, the how free reign Madlib uh, is on this album almost kind of stops it from getting going. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I feel like you know every every three or four minutes, OJ uh, uh, Guilty Simpson like. Goes and has a fag outside or something. Well, Madlib just you know just has like four interludes in a row. It almost reminded me of like when you see a really big arena show, and every now and again you know that the artist is going and having a costume change or something. So something yeah, yeah. else has so to they go bring on. out like the band or the dancers or yes, something. Yes, yeah, exactly. That that that's the vibe I kept getting with this. Um, and you know, what? I I do think I don't know if it's if it's necessarily like. Oh, O.J. Simpson really suits Madlib's production. I think. Um, uh, sorry, I keep calling him O.J. Simpson. I think Guilty Simpson has good taste in Madlib. Like yeah. he picks the right stuff because Madlib did a, a handful of tracks on um, his the album he did before this, his debut album, and they're all really weird. He always picks the really strange, minimal, barely there, eccentric, odd, eclectic beats. Um, but the, I mean, yeah, this is this is a bit baggy and a bit a bit freewheeling. But there's just tons of good Madlib stuff on this album. It's it's it was it was like, 
oh, thank God, by the time I got to this album, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I thought this, for me as well, felt like a brush of fresh air when mm. listening to it. And this is one I'm probably going to go back to, and then I'm probably also going to just look at what else he's done because I just think he's he's a fun guy. Excellent. Um, beat Conductor. So yes. this is a series of, well, instrumentals put out by um, Mad Lib. What have we got? Three, three albums. Yeah, yeah, six volumes. Volume one and two. Yeah, six volumes. Volume one and two movie scenes. They're sort of like a black exploitation film in his head. Yeah. It's like the soundtrack to what that could be. And then volume three and four, it's him exploring like Indian music. So beat conductor in India. That was my favorite of the the series, mm-hmm, just because mm-hmm. I love what he does to like Bollywood strings and stuff. Yeah. Um, and there was even a tune on there that I'd, I think, heard a couple of years before. And it's been on like a constant rotation at work and stuff. Oh, cool. So when I heard it, I was like, oh, it's that one. Right, right. So that was nice. And then volume five and six, Dill Cosby and Dill Withers Sweet, Sweet is uh, his tribute to Jay Diller. Yeah, yeah. So. And it sounds yeah. like it too. Um, yeah, it's quite, it's probably his most maudlin of all his, and most emotional of all his mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of like he's like showing some emotion. It's probably also the most pastiche as well, because I think he actually does get Jay Diller's approach quite well. Um, mm. You know, he, he kind of apes his style really well. Um, so, so with with the, with these, I'll, I'll be, but I'll basically sum up what I think of these with the one note I made about them. Um, and I'm not <laughs> saying this in a disparaging way. Um, I wrote about the Beat Conductor Volume One, and I would kind of repeat for the next two. But there's you know there's different styles. This is what it is really, and what I expected. Mad Lib beats in a big bag, all one after the other. It's a mix, but the songs often fade out. They sound like Mad Lib, but some are better than others. An insight into his working method. He just keeps making beats. That's kind. Of, that's that, 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 I'd that's say kind of how all, I feel about this. You know. Yeah, they're really good sort of albums to just put on in the background when you're doing something. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, if you're if you're like doing a bit of work or something, and you don't want to actually be like you know distracted. Yeah. They're just they're just background beats, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the, the the one I found hardest to get my head around or get into was was volume one and two, the the, the movie scenes, um, just because it was a bit like yeah, it's it's Mad Lib. I mean, it's a bunch of bunch of short instrumentals by Mad Lib that sound like Mad Lib. Um, they sound very dashed off. You know, you can, this is when you really hear that he he makes his stuff quickly. He has an idea, he gets it down, he records it, he's done it. You know, and he and he, and he moves on. Um, I I would say that was why I was maybe slightly disappointed with the Bollywood one, not because I thought it was poor quality, but because he kind of is still applying the same method, just with a different palette. Whereas I thought yeah. it might lead him into a different direction a little bit. I thought it might take him to a different place stylistically. Um, but really, it, you know, it's it's the same approach as the rest of the stuff, but it's it's got it's got Bollywood samples and it works. You know what I mean? It's coherent and it works and it sounds like Mad Lib, but it also sounds like Bollywood. It's good fun. I uh, I really liked the the Dilla one um, purely mm. because just just you know hearing him 
just try something different. It, you know, it's still the same production method, um, as in same method of producing music, um, but done in the in the in the Dilla style. Uh, it was it was it was pretty fun, and like you say, maybe quite touching in places as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he just put them out there. It just goes to show that he like he he shares a lot of what he produces. Yeah, but it must be so much that he doesn't share as well. Oh, yeah. It makes me wonder, like, what is this stuff that he doesn't? I mean, he said, you know, he passes around stuff to friends and stuff, but it's not for people, his fans to. Not for you, Graham. To. It's interesting. No, it's not for us. Um, yeah, the beat conductor. Yeah, they're worth if you're interested in how he does stuff, his approach. I say they're worth listening to. Yeah, and for, but there's full nothing full on there that's. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know so, if I put this. I don't know if I included this in the notes, Graham. But is the, I, I, I the impression I got was that the the volumes one and two of the Rock Conductor tapes were kind of part of this. I couldn't tell if they were part of Beat Conductor or a Medicine Show. I kind of felt like they were they were Beat. I beat feel conductor. like they are their own thing. Okay, okay, but they are they would naturally for me fold into this. Um, so talk about approach. them if you want. They're they're quite um, recent, aren't they? Well, uh, about twenty ten. Okay, okay. Two thousand thirteen for the first one, and then the second one, part two. Yeah, two thousand and thirteen. Um, they're this, interesting. They're him. He's he's looking at um, like a kraut rock, isn't he? Mainly. Yeah, a lot of kraut rock and prog and psych rock, and um, I might have enjoyed this the most of these these beat tape uh series you know ju- just because i thought i thought it was i liked the i think it was a bill murray bit from from a film kept popping up where he's doing like a telethon to raise money for this radio radio station and he's like come on you know we, we we've got such great programming well you know come on you know what do you what, what do you want it's free um that was quite fun but also just the way he takes these kind of like slightly wacky um 70s and 60s rock vocal parts and makes them sound so soulful, soulful and gangster and he just he just makes everything sound like madlib somehow even even stuff that's that's so far away from hip hop or soul or funk or anything like that i thought also they sounded a bit different from his usual instrumentals like probably because of the fact that he's mainly using rock um but it also must have been good for him to kind of get it out of his system almost in a way like <laughs> Um, but yeah at the same time I don't think those two for me left as much of an impact as as the other ones Um, I just I think once I got to part two I was kind of like they're starting to sound a little bit samey yeah yeah I feel you you know and and they were super fuzzed out yeah but everything was super nothing refined about them at all um, so we're going to talk about some big old collaborations he's done now. Yeah, some uh, slightly more recent ones. Yeah, One less we're so. talk about uh, Med. He yeah. did a Push Comes to Shove. Uh, and then with Med and Blue, Bad Neighbour, so 2005-2015. And then Oh No, Sax's brother, Michael. Uh, the Professionals, 2020. So that's... Then we've got... Um... Well, let's start with them. Yeah. Then we'll go on to who's next. 
because I think they're, they're quite a good like three to go for. What did you think of these albums? Um, the med the med one was 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 pretty good. I th- I think you know again like like some of the people he works with in the two thousands, he hasn't got the most personality on his voice, but um, I thought the way he, his voice is actually produced on this album was just really nice and forceful without being you know kind of too penetrating and annoying his vocals are doubled up nicely and he he is kind of working with some slightly strange production here so you do you do get some good interesting production with it still being quite clean and clear and hard so they you know a lot of these things a lot of these songs really wallop um but i mean you know lyrically i wouldn't say he's the most interesting kind of kind of kind of person what what did you think I quite liked uh, this first album. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Um, it was mainly produced by Madlib. I think he did thirteen tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But little, little when it bit comes of to production on here as well, here and there. Yeah, when it comes to the next album he did with Blue as well, I think that was my favourite album of this whole. You know, other than Madfilin. Really? Okay, cool. I just, and I don't think I realised it at the time. It was only when I was going through it. Um, I think I picked like nine songs that I. I did loved. as well. I picked loads uh, of songs. And it's only got like. It's got like fifty. It's got, got fifteen tracks. So that's pretty much the entire album. Yes. Um, yeah, I just think it's great. It's yeah. got. It's just like all the collabs and stuff. Um, you've got like Anderson Pack on there, Hodgy Beats on there, Damn Funk, mm-hmm. like. Maya Hawthorne. You know, you've got quite a few. Um, Stone Throw artists on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just a couple of other people coming in, and it's just everyone is a tune. <laughs> yeah. I, see, I, I would... See, I I kind of... I did pick a lot of tracks from this, but I, I, I personally, I don't think the songs were very strong. Um, like, I, mm. I, I, Blue is really not my favourite rapper. I've, I've tried with some of his projects in recent years, and I, I can't really get into him. Um so I, I didn't find their, you know, MED and, and Blue. I really felt that they actually kind of blurred together a little bit on this album, uh, those those two MCs. But, yeah, I mean, beyond, uh, I think it was the song Get Money, which I felt was just way too bass heavy. Like it sounded like the, it sounded like the bass you'd hear from the toilets in a club kind of thing. Yeah. Um, once it got past that point... These these sounded a lot more electronic than you would normally expect to hear from from Madlib, and also there was a lot of like eighties synth, synth funk um, and synth pop influence, like maybe more of an American kind of style rather than the British style. Um, and so yeah, the, 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 a lot of the instrumentals really stood out for me. I'd probably rather listen to the instrumental version of this album than than the, the than the final album. You know, um, I also yeah, for, think yeah. um, Birds is one of uh, Mad Lib's most genius moments. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, just like the, the way he uses chickens clucking as the main like percussive element of the beat. I just, I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I, I don't think there's much more I can say about this other than I just think it's great. <laughs> cool. I think it's quite, quite unified. Um, and this is one I'll be spinning again. Excellent. Like, I, I just want them to 
get together and do another one. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. I mean, you know what? Again, with, again, it's with like, like different friends coming in and collabing and sort of like you know. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think maybe it, it, you know, like like Guilty Simpson, they've got good taste in Madlib. Um, yeah, and so they they go they you know they've got an ear for his his good stuff and you know they they're willing to let it be a bit strange and unusual. Uh, what about the little collaboration he did with his brother from last year? Oh, um, no. The professionals, I didn't really, I didn't glean much from it. You know, it didn't, didn't leave much mark for me. What made, about you? Made very very little impression on me. This album, um, the instrumentals or the vocals, really really didn't do a lot for me at all. Yeah, I was quite surprised, really. I thought it was going to be great, knowing that it was his brother as well. And, like, I've liked Ono on some of the tracks that I've heard before of him coming in, so I thought that would be good. But it just it just felt kind of, I don't know, quite normal. Yeah, pretty, pretty, run, pretty A bit run-of-the-mill. Yeah, a bit, bit, bit edgeless. I mean, it was quite interesting, I suppose, on Payday. Um, Madlib takes a bit more of a... That could conceivably be an outcast instrumental, I suppose. Like, it's a bit... Just a bit of a different approach for him, but it didn't really add up to much yeah. of a song for me, and the the hook wasn't all that. I wrote, "What even is the vibe of this album?" Um, <laughs> yeah, I just um, just just couldn't really get into much. I suppose it got better towards the end. Um, you know, I thought that I just wanna again, while it was lyrically pathetic. Um, really really dreadful talking you know like the, the 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 woman in his life calling her queen and all that I just think that's so like creepy and I just can't stand that sort of thing I just I thought you know that could conceivably be a Tapimpa Butterfly instrumental I thought that was nice and jazzy um but yeah not not a lot going on really unfortunate but I mean you know he's not he's not a god mad lib you know <laughs> so Mr. Freddie Gibbs, uh, did you know about this? About Freddie Gibbs and Madlib? Do you know about Freddie Gibbs as a person? Uh, I, I got into this album when it came out. I didn't know who, who Freddie Gibbs was, but this was, you know, for a, for a, a Madlib collaboration, this got a lot of noise made about it at the time. Um, so I was very into it and interested. Um, and so it meant I was really anticipating... Um, bandana coming out a few years later as well um did i mean so did, this you, is, did you know much about this one graham i i knew nothing about this so this cool. is pinata uh released in 2014 and then this is the one the ones you uh, actually own isn't it so you're yeah. you're quite familiar with this one yeah and I, Gra- um, graham seemed to disagree i i think it's the best album cover of the 2010s personally <laughs> that's just me just fair enough um, uh, now, did, did, I mean, did you think, think it was odd? It's got the best. I was going to ask: Did you think it was odd that I singled this out? Were you kind of like, why, why are you making a fuss out of the the Freddie Gibbs album? Or no, I didn't because when I was listening to it, uh, I had a feeling you would like it. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, I I'm not a hundred percent on this one. Sure. I think I prefer bandana a bit more but before we start i love the way this was titled 
Do you know the story behind how this was titled? Not really. I know it used to be called Cocaine so, Piñata, but... So, the, he came up with Cocaine Piñata. He was having a dream, and he had a beautiful wife. She was Latino. Who, who was this, by the way? Who, who was having the dream? Oh, this is Freddie. Well, this is Freddie. Okay. So, Freddie Gibbs was having a dream, and he dreamt he had a nice uh, uh, Latino wife and a beautiful young... Uh, son who was about four and it was his son's birthday party and his son had a piñata and then he was hitting the piñata and then suddenly all this cocaine was pouring out and he's talking about how much there's like drugs with the kids the kids are just doing drugs and he was like yes yeah, so i wanted to call it cocaine piñata mm, strong and then they went with piñata so that for me you know sums up freddie gibbs pretty well what's the third album going to be called pina, pina colada no, oh, there was actually... Oh, uh, no. There is actually... I think it's Dakota or something. Okay. All right. <laughs> Fine. Um, um, I yes. did like this album. I think I have a problem with his delivery, but it's weird. It kind of does change between albums. It, he, he's sort of quite raspy in this. <laughs> in this one. Um, well, I, I mean... I liked... I think really... Yeah, I liked it. This collaboration made Freddie Gibbs. I think he was a pretty marginal figure mm. before this um, Mad Lib um, collaboration. And I don't think, before this point, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib would be seen as the most obvious combination. Um, no. I, don't think, I don't think Mad Lib would be seen as the best fit for Freddie Gibbs' style. It's very kind of like hard cocaine bars kind of thing. Um, but... I think the difference, I think the, the, the change you see between the first and the second albums is Freddie Gibbs becomes a much more high-profile and in-demand MC. Um, and I think yeah. he actually gets a lot better, as, in my opinion, um, and a lot more confident. Um, so I think, like you know, I, I really like Piñata. Listening to them here, I definitely agree. I think Bandana is, is quite considerably stronger than, um, than, than Piñata. Um, but what I mean, what what's happening on that first album is Madlib is doing his Madlib thing. You know, he's being he's being Madlib. He's not playing it straight by any means. But he's also kind of ushering Freddie Gibbs in. Um, on 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 um, there's there's a there's a YouTube channel I really like, Dead End Hip Hop, and they were talking about how Madlib's is Madlib is like, come on, come in, come on. He's, he's like he's like. He's like holding his hand. He's saying, "Don't worry, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to be okay." Um, and so, the approach that that Madlib takes on this is this very like cigar smoke, classy crime lord, um, very gangster sound. You know, then there's not many like very hard heavy beats on this. There's a few like more up up tempo, boisterous moments, but it's all about just like setting the right mood for Freddie to get in and, and, and do his thing. And, I, you know, s songs like Thugging or Thugging and um, Real and um, Deeper, that, you know, those are just amazing. You know, they really are like classic songs and some of, some of um, Mad Lib's most memorable stuff. The way he uses guitar samples on this album, it's just so... It's so classy and luxurious this 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 album, um, but I I agree I don't really think 
Freddie is at his best on this. He, you know, he's arriving on this album, and you kind of go, "Oh, this person I've never heard of. He's he, he's pretty good." But I think he's outshone by by Madlib, and I think he's also on some of these tracks trying to keep up. You know, he's a very yeah, he's very um, he's a very dexterous MC, and he changes up his rhythms a lot, and he changes up his flows and patterns. But sometimes he sounds a bit a little bit tongue-tied in places. Um, but loads of great songs and and you know Madlib is having lots of fun with working with this very aggressive kind of drug dealing um vibe on it uh, but i think both of them step up massively on bandana and i didn't think that when it came out i was a bit disappointed when it came out listening to it this time it's just ah. like whoa this is a big step up for me I really like the track um, Flat Tummy Tea. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something about it. It's just it, go, it, it like goes hard, but it isn't. It's quite subtle. The beat. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that he's he's sampling a theme from The Godfather by Jesus Acosta, the professional. So it's twice now he's sampled like different versions of something to do related to with the godfather but here it feels a bit more apt because freddie's a bit more like he's a bit more of like a sort of real he's kind of a bit more like real life compared to some of his other people that yeah. he's collaborated with like you he's lived him. a life you believe him you know there's something behind his rhymes yes um i was really surprised by Dianis featuring anderson pack because <sighs> it kind of sounds like a pop friendly song it's like it's like a commercial hit almost. I I know you well. I mean, it is a it's a it's it's a very good hook. Um, yeah, it's great. I, I don't think it's the strongest Madlib um, instrumental, and I kind of think what you get on this album is you know all the instrumentals are interesting. He's always challenging Freddie with his instrumentals because they're not quite the easiest thing to go over all the time. I don't think. Um, but Freddie really turns these into songs. Um, like mm. he, he's he keeps he bec- he's a lot more melodic on this album, um, and it's it's a lot more musical this album, um, particularly like Gat Dam. You you said um, Janice. I think Anderson Anderson Pack's hook on it and then his verse at the end are just incredible. Um, same same with uh, Palm Olive the sample on that song is so cold and Pusha T's verse is amazing Killer Mike, I know, you know Killer Mike is a very well-loved rapper at the moment he's not really my favourite rapper um, you know I, I feel bad saying it but he's a bit too topical with his stuff, you know it's one of his big strengths and I, you know he talks about very important stuff but as far as like listening to music it doesn't do a lot for me him coming on and doing the hook on that song I think is genius <laughs> Um, and to be honest, it only occurred to me listening to it the other day. Madlib is in much better company on this on this album. You know, this is the way it should be. It should, you know, mm. it should be Anderson Pack and Killer Mike and Pusha T. Um, a bunch of this these these instrumentals were intended for Kanye West. One of them did make it onto um, Life of Pablo. Uh, no more parties in LA. It should be Kanye West and Kendrick Lamar going over his stuff, and not. Strong arm steady. You know, this is the company that Madlib should be in for me. This is him really arriving as like, 
Come on now, you know I'm the best. I de- I definitely agree with that. I but I ought, I don't think he should be giving his stuff to Kanye. I think <laughs> I think like no parties in L.A. would be a really incredible song, but Kanye ruins it. He does, as he kind of does sometimes. Yeah, with just chatting absolute shit. Yeah, yeah. Um. Like and listening to that is so frustrating because it's such a good beat and could be such a great song, but it, it doesn't need him to say "No More Parties in LA" fifty times. It, no, it, it doesn't, doesn't add anything to the song. So, like, I would have been really sad if he'd like ruined some of these. I think Freddie Gibbs is a good good match because he's like he's a bit weird, but he's also he's got a good mixture of being kind of more current than some of his other collaborators. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. This I think you're right. I'd like to see him be a bit more high profile with who he's working with and, you know, his releases to be a bit more out there and big budget. This this felt like a big budget album. Well, you know what? It's interesting you say that. When it when this came out, there was a small amount of controversy around it because um, Madly came out and said, yeah, I made all these uh, instrumentals on my iPad. Um, <laughs> and it seems as though he's he did that for... He's been doing that for about a decade now, working yeah. working on an iPad. Um, now, and I think that actually put me off the album when I, when I first heard it. I was like, oh, this is going to be rubbish then. Like I know anything about the difference between working with his <laughs> normal equipment and an iPad. Um, but, I mean, I think there's absolutely no difference. But it, but it, but it's, it just says a lot about Mad Lib. Like, I, I think people don't want to hear it. Like, w- when, when people ask him questions, like on those, those Red Bull Music Academy um, interviews we watched people are always asking him like what equipment do you use do you use this do you use this yeah. kind of mic do you use a studio and he's just like no i don't i don't use anything i just i'm, I'm in my bedroom i've got one thing i've got this <laughs> this is what i use you know it's the size of a magazine this is what i use and i think people almost don't want to hear it they don't want to hear that yeah. he is using stuff any old moron can use and making the best stuff it's him. Just he says, is the talent. yes the difference is i'm making it <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the equipment. This makes it easy for me, a genius, to make this music. And also, he's just, he's picking, he's rifling through records mm-hmm. for hours per day. Yeah. You know, that's where the genius is coming in from. Yes, he's, that's how you do it. And his, his ear, you wouldn't be able to match his ear. Like, he must be able to just, you know, identify what he can use so quickly. Yeah, you just, you just use everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I was glad to, to properly give this album another go because I think I'd I'd um, I'd sort of put this on the like oh a disappointing second album for me. Whereas uh, listening to it now, it's like wow, this is miles better than 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 the first album. Yeah, I like them. I think I will come back to them. Would you um, Would you take a, a third album? I want a third album. Cool. I think it should happen. Because I think if, you know, I think they're only going to get better, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, oh, I think it would just be cool. <laughs> Saying yeah, uh, another big difference with, with Freddie, uh, first album to second album, is he discovers the word yeah. Uh, he says yeah about 11,000 times on, on Bandana. He's just like, most of his hooks are yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just never stops saying yeah. I love it. I'm, you know, that's that's his like musical performance side coming out. He's saying yeah. Anyway, I, I, I would say I also really enjoyed Half Man, Half Cocaine. Uh, 
Which is, I'm pretty sure it's just the song where she's just talking about cocaine for yeah. the entire track. Um, playing that at work with my boss was a good time. Sure, sure. No, the customers just having it on the speaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this song's about me. So that's most of his um, sort of albums with people, collaborative albums. <laughs> um, just like Beat Conductor, he did another little series. Mm-hmm called uh medicine show um uh, you said a bit about in the beginning but yeah it's it's odd numbers are his original productions and even numbers in the series are dj mixes and things um i think there were 13 in the end Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna be honest i only listened to four of them okay Um, um i listened to all of the uh, the odd numbered ones, I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I probably will actually listen to the DJ mixes because, um, you know, it's just him, you know, curating a jazz playlist or a Brazilian music playlist, or you know, it's just a it's just a way to get into some music. I, I you know, I, I will do that, but it's not yeah, essential I, for I, this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to pop- popping them on while I'm doing other work and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, for this, it, it felt like you know, be. Reductive. Yeah, unnecessary. Um, so, um, we yeah, have I, got. Yeah, you get, you get. Yeah, go. Yeah, let, let's let's hear what they are, Graham. Yeah, so we've got before the verdict. Um, is volume one, volume three, beat conductor in Africa. So it's also a beat conductor. It's, it's yeah, like both. That's like that's like it's sort beat of... conductor volume seven. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, Number five is History of the Loop Digger, 1990 to 2000. Uh, number seven is High Jazz. N- number nine is Channel 85 Presents Nittyville. Uh, number 11 is Low Budget Hi-Fi Music. And number 13 is Black Tape. Oh, yeah, yeah, I couldn't get hold of that one. I didn't listen to that one. Yeah, I feel like that was probably exclusive to the people that bought you could buy you can buy them all in a set. Yeah, basically. what was it? It was called like the brick or something. Like the was, brick. Yeah. yeah. So you can either get you can either get a CD set of all thirteen, or you can get a vinyl set of of all the um, production ones. If you want, which looked pretty cool. It did pretty, look pretty cool. good. Uh, um, I would. So I mean, let's start with before the verdict. I yeah. Think. I, I mean, it's di- I, yeah, it's difficult to talk about these kind of like in loads of depth because it's quite it's quite vast. Um, I suppose it's worth saying that the you know the first one is is a collab with is an, another collab with with Guilty Simpson that's kind of intended as a prequel to his to his full album. Um, obviously, you've got Beat Conductor in Africa. The history of the Loop Digger stuff is unreleased '90s stuff, so um, you know it's 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 very similar to that Kazi approach. Um, High Jazz is a yesterday's new Queen, uh, sorry, a, a yesterday's universe showcase where you get some alternative versions of yesterday's universe tracks and some some never before heard stuff um nittyville is a collaboration with frank knit and low budget hi-fi music was a bunch more collabs and some some kind of bits and pieces um which of these did you like the most graham of the ones you listened to i thought i liked the first one um, quite a lot. Very strong, yeah. Um, let me have a look. Also, yeah, I think the first one was my favourite. 
actually. Sure. Because uh, there's a song on there, Life Goes By, which is one of my favourite songs, which I've been listening to for a couple of years now. I mean, really? this must have been released in 2010. I don't know how I, how I stumbled upon it, but I love that tune. I love that, that beat. Okay. I'll have you know, to that's, that's to one it. of the, like... That's one of the sort of instrumental, non-OJ Simpson ones on the album. Right. Um, right. It's just great. I love that tune. But it's cool that most of them are like remixes of his first album that tracks he didn't produce. He's gone in there and given it like a OJ Simpson remix. Yeah. So it could sort of fit in with the previous album. And it is um, I like what he does. A, like... It is a bit of a grimier version of it, a slightly less refined, um, slightly yeah. darker darker version this album i would say um and you've got like jay diller on one song as well on young guns but i thought this was a good mix yeah yeah this one worthwhile so I would, I would basically say that none of these projects is is essential but yeah the, the majority are worth you know they're, they're worth a go they're not the most taxing things and you will you will pick out some interesting stuff i personally really love the history of the loop digger series um you know, I love that '90s sound of of his. Um, I love mm. how blunted out it is. Like you just, there's so many samples of people exhaling and inhaling, um, and there's there's this kind of through, throughout a lot of these, you get you get similar samples popping up, and you know, like recurrent samples coming in. So, on the history of the Loop Digger one, you keep getting this little bobbly, popcorny, bloopy electronic sound that keeps coming in. There's an amazing sequence of tracks. They're called episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, up to about twenty. Um, that that is just you know, it's just endless great head nodding beats, and it ends on a suite called uh, a CPD suite or something. That's it. CPD, continuous personal development, uh, CDP, <laughs> <laughs> CDP suite, which is uh, kind of a reference to Crate Diggers Palace, where they were making their music in the in the late nineties. Um, and there's like a real, uh, you know, kind of very rough uh, um, battle rap kind of feeling to that, where the, the the beat just kind of loops and and they're just going as lyrically as possible over the top of it. Him and Wild Child. That's his. Um, yeah, that that's like his first crew, isn't it? Really, before yeah. Loop Hack. Um, I I must admit th- those were the bits I enjoyed the most. That end bit. Cool. Yeah, it just because it fun. felt really that bit to me felt a bit essential, just because you know it really is like the genesis of yeah, very it. interesting insight. Um, yeah, I thought I thought as a as a project, like you know, maybe that I think the OJ Simpson uh, prequel was probably the best here. I did like the um, the sort of coherence of the beat conductor in Africa. That felt like a very sort of unified project you know from from beginning to end like it had it had good flow throughout the recurrent samples were really good where you are getting sort of like you, you get you're getting a lot of like news reports or tourists uh um t- uh, t- t- tourism uh spots of people talking about africa saying all these stupid things about it like it's the land of black people and stuff like that um but mix, mixed in with kind of african music um and well i suppose the interesting thing about it like the 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 bollywood one was it's all taking its sources from recorded things so it's not like he's yeah he's doing like 
some sort of traditional African music or something like that. It's only going to be stuff that's been laid onto LP or has been on TV or has been in films. So it's a very sort of specific little little portion of, of sound clips that you get on that, which I thought was really interesting. I also like how people assume that he goes to these countries, um, <laughs> rifles for records, and you know, someone was talking about like how he loves Indian records and stuff, and he's like, yeah, you know, I got a couple of boxes from this person here and there, like in Germany, and he was like, oh, um, would you like to get to India? And he was like, yeah, maybe one day, that'd be good. And it's probably like the same with this, like these are just some records that over the years he's accumulated, you know, it's not necessarily him going and doing like a big trip to a country and this is what he's learned. It's more just him appreciating records and things that he's found. Yeah, it's like... I think it's quite a nice difference. It's like crate digging is one of his methods of travel. Yeah, exactly. That was a nice little point, wasn't it? Nice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I didn't listen to um, the... Uh, Channel 85% Snittyville. What was that like? Uh, it was pro- probably my least favourite. Um, yeah, and honestly, not very much to say about that at all. It was just, you know, it was kind of like any of them. It has its had it had its moments, but, uh, you know, it was probably the least interesting of, of this lot. Um, the only other one that really made um, an impression on me was the high jazz one. You know, it's just interesting to hear some more Yesterday's Universe stuff. There was an alternative, there, or there, there was a live version of I think a yesterday's new quintet track and I listened back to the original and it kind of is a live version you know what I mean it's <laughs> it's so interesting like it's not like just it's not as if they've just put some crowd noise over the track there's there's a bit more of a performative element to it um and I also loved having the like a little a little robot voice introducing each member of the band you know um <laughs> yeah, there, there were some good, some some fun little experiments on there. That was, you know, it, it kind of just expands that that universe a bit more. That was quite fun. I quite liked um, low budget hi fi music just because it it just felt like a nice little cachet of extra tracks. Yeah, yeah. With all his mates again, you know, um, and I feel like from listening to all of this, that was one of the ones I listened to last, so I could appreciate hearing different people come in, hearing Med come in, or, oh, no, you know, Guilty Simpson, and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, cool. I remember you. Sort of, it it, it just felt like a culmination of a shared universe kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With all his collaborators. Yeah, very interesting. But, yeah, I wouldn't the- say any of these are... They're not really essential, are they? They're just, they're just nice little extras. Well, that's the thing. Like, CDs or records. This was... The least essential and most daunting element of this listening, you know, you're just like they're they're, they're the elephant in the room. The medicine, the medicine show <laughs> series. Like I've got to get through this, you know, ten part album series that all of them are at least an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, you know, but uh, you know, they are what they are. They're you know, but but this is this is very. Um, uh, typical of Mad Lib putting out loads of material. You know, I think all of this came out in a year, like on a monthly basis. So we might be expecting that to happen in the next year. You know, some other series of stuff. Who knows what that will be? Um, but it's just, you know, yeah. it's just his his generosity um, of, of of putting his material out. And but the odd curation process as well, because we you know we know he's 
producing so much more material than this. So this is this yeah. is the kind of like what he's offering up. You can have you can have this. Very interesting. So that's that's almost everything. But I think we should talk a little bit about Sound Ancestors, mm-hmm. which came out what like two days ago as yeah. of recording. Came on Friday. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is him a collaboration album with Kieran Hebden, otherwise known as Fortet. And I don't know much about this, but I'm it says arranged by so I. I te- I imagine that he gave him loads of beats and then asked Kieran to see what he could do with it, maybe, or, and then they went back and forth. I don't know. I, I, what do you think, for um, listening to it? As, what do you think the process might have been? As far as... Well, I, did, I did read around this a little bit, and as far as I can tell, um, Kieran Hebden and, and Mad Libba have been friends for a long time. I think they actually... It sounds like they like a lot of similar music. It seems like they've got a very similar approach. I follow... Kieran Hebden on um, Instagram, and he's always posting really weird albums from the 60s and 70s that he's bought on vinyl. So I imagine they've got pretty similar. I think Mad Lib is actually a bit impressed with Kieran Hebden's taste in in music, and it's kind of like sees him as like, oh, okay, you know. I think, and he did a he did like a remix album of Mad Villain at one point, like yeah. an EP, I think. Yeah, he yeah. Did there's a, a fortet, um, but it seems so like they've, yeah they've cross paths it seems like um kieran hebden and nigel godrich strangely enough have been trying to persuade uh, madlib to do a solo album for for quite a while um and um. so yeah yeah so um, <laughs> just make an album man <laughs> yeah and because because i think you know like he's like we've kind of said he hides behind other other you know he hides behind his collaborators and his aliases and yeah. things a lot it's very rare you get a here is madlib which is why i was so interested in the the king of the wig flip album um because that has madlib's name on it um but as far as i can see this was pitched to madlib by kieran hebden who gave him who made like a little 15 minute version a few years ago to say like this is what it might sound like but it's so it's all Madlib music, and he's been sending Kieran Hebden music for about two years, and Kieran has been taking it and kind of piecing it together and like turning it into a digestible, accessible, oh, cool. unified forty-minute album. Um, so it's it's an it's an odd little collaboration, um, and it's quite, I would say as well as as well as um, it's probably a less accessible album than. Sounds of Blue, uh, sorry, uh, Shades of Blue, but this is probably another good way into Mad Lib generally. It's a good sort of like taster for this. Is these are all the sort of various little bits and pieces he does in a very succinct, compact little package kind of thing. What did you think of it? It's, I thought, yeah, it's it's quite polished as well. It's kind of like the the cleanest you'll ever probably hear. Yeah, definitely. Mad Lib like beats, and it's it's a bit more like ethereal. It's just a different atmosphere, you know. It's it's less of like a going down into like a cool, smoky kind of underground club, and more sort of a bit more outdoorsy. Going to like a yeah, or going to like a cool venue, like a music venue kind of Ooh. thing. It's just yeah, I, I like it. I think they work well together. I also thought it was quite uncharacteristically emotional and moving. You know, there's there's yeah, there's definitely a, it's a lot more kind of open hearted this album. Um. Yeah, and it was very interesting. Just you know, just it just so happens that, that he released this this fairly big, high profile, definitive self uh, uh, um, 
a solo album just as we're about to record this so you know i'd done all my my listening by the time this came out so to get this at the end of it it's like wow it's like all of his stuff really funneled down and very very concentrated um yeah because there are elements of quite a lot of his stuff on this one album there was there's like a bit of jazz and there's a bit of you know, some like slightly more ninety stuff and slightly more like a slightly harder beat and all these a, twinkly like bells and things up, and whistles. Uh, there's a straight up Jay Diller tribute, a very yeah, a very Jay Diller sounding uh, chopped up soul sample. Um, yeah, you know what? It was so oddly straightforward and just nice that it was a bit kind of like I don't know what to think of this. It was so easy to get into and easy to get along with. It's a bit like after all the sort of dizzying madness of listening to this this Mad Lib stuff over the last few weeks, getting it all boiled down here like Condensed. this. Yeah. So, such a strange thing to hear, but it was really, it was a real treat to listen to. I'm looking forward to getting into it. So, that is Mad Lib, done and dusted. The beat Bloody conductor. I, I mean, we definitely, you know... We must have missed out bits here and there, yeah. and as you said, we'll never it'll never be complete because he's probably got like a million beats stored yeah. away in various hard drives in his home. So it, it, it's um, bottomless. It's bottomless. Um, but I thought I quite enjoyed just the level, the sheer volume of music we had to get through this time. It was kind of all encompassing, but it was a nice thing. It was nice music to lean back into. Yeah, for me. I mean, this 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 was the most anxious I've been about any of any of the the episodes we've done so far, um, and, and you know it's really really just the last week in particular it's just been on my mind constantly um, because you know you, you, I, you just feel so clueless when you're up against this unbelievable edifice of music. That, that Mad Lib has made, the breadth of his influence and the depth of his of his knowledge and, and his reverence for music, you just feel like such a puny mortal stood next to it, you know. Um, also, I think this is the one producer we've done so far that has the biggest, um, like, fan base. Yeah, the most be. sort of... He's the most, yeah, yeah. Niche, niche sought-after fan base that, you know, no infinitely more than us Definitely. about every single element of his songs you i mean we um, could do a whole other uh episode just on the samples you know just talking about you know just talking about his record collection and where he pulls from and there's there's so many different ways you can come at this but you know our 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 style is listen to the music what does it sound like that's 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 as far as we can go as mere mortals what was the biggest surprise for you listening to this? The biggest surprise was the jazz, like, and the fact that, and then learning that he, you know, has wasn't an instrument player. Yeah. You know, before that, yeah. I just think he's like that's incredible. Yeah. Um, this ocean of jazz, I had no idea about, and I, I'm I'm with you there. The the, the biggest surprise, um, and and just totally changed my estimation of Madlib. You know, you, I already know he's like a genius beat maker, but you don't you, you don't anticipate that if you know nothing about it. It's just like he does what you know. Um, also, the fact that he's so consistent as well. Like 
there may have been one or two albums that didn't leave much of an impact with us, but there certainly hasn't been a bad album, which is probably the first time we've done this and not had like a bad album. No. You know, no. genuinely. I think that's probably because most everything he's done is, is mainly up to him musically. It's him creating. So like there isn't any room for him to make a bad album because he's just an excellent musician and artist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I, favorite, Oh, the, the, it's like Kid A again. The best one is, is Mad Villainy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it is. It, 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 it's, it's just an incredible moment. Um, and just just the athleticism that's on display on the album, it's, it's breathtaking. I, I assume you're, you're the same. Yeah, it is. Um, it almost feels like, you know... That doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> just I know what you mean. It's yeah. so clearly, yeah, the best. My favourite um, character would... in Harry Potter is Harry Potter. <laughs> oh God, um, <laughs> I'd say. But on the second to that, uh, I really like that Guilty Simpson album, OJ Simpson collab. Yeah, that that's that's a really strong album. It was great. Uh, um, dare I ask what the biggest slog for you was? I think some of the jazz, just because, again, I'd love to really have, like, a month to just slowly, casually listen to all the jazz. But doing it sort of... And I also tried to do everything um, in chronological order, so sometimes it meant that, like, you had a lot of jazz sort of in the same place. Yeah, yeah, that's... that's, that's... Because there there were a couple albums where he did one jazz to the next sort of bumper-bumper. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't that much of a slog. It was yeah. just more just having to concentrate a bit more. Yeah, and if you're not in the mood for them, you know, they can be pretty aggressive and abrasive. Um, for me, it was Talib Kweli. I just had no, didn't connect <laughs> with that album at all, and that was a, that. That was a little rough spot for me. I thought they'd be easy to to marathon one after the other uh, to session, but I, I was wrong. Um, <laughs> I. How about do, do do you have a number one beat? The, I'm trying to think the Mad Lib track for me personally, it is "Life Goes By" from um, oh, the yeah. first medicine medicine show. Just because I've I think probably because I've listened to that the most. Interesting. Um, but second of all, it would be all caps. Right, right. Sure. You know, all caps is just so good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is pretty amazing. I, I, well, I think also what about you? the sim, the simplicity of the the way those various elements work together is just it's just so simple. It's it's genius. Um, I do think you know you've got on that album "Strange Ways," "Fancy Clown," "I," "Supervillain Theme," "All Caps," "Great Day," "Rhinestone Cowboy." That's kind of a bit like, oh my god, you know, it's just it's just unending, amazing. So, you know, it's it's for me, it is between Fancy Clown, All Caps, Great Day, Rhinestone Cowboy. I'm gonna go for Rhinestone, Rhinestone Cowboy. I just think there's such a a deep, dark mystery and loneliness to that. And also hearing the this the sample source. How it's so subtly transformed into this new thing that has a whole different drama to it. 
I, I, I just think it. I just think it's it's stunning, um, and and you, you just don't get that particular sound in enough places in Mad Libs. Uh, for me, it's incredible. But there's just tons. Do you have a favourite um, sample? Um, it's a. It is another Mad Villain uh, tune, but it's the one that they did for Adult Swim. Uh, you know, the, the, the like the Adult Swim um, singles. Okay. Yeah. Uh, series uh called paper mill um and they sample a song that i only listened to for the first time last night i i, I just thought i'm going to look up the sample for it because it's it's my favorite it's a song the, the sample is a song called urgendwi by blonka which is a which is a um a, 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 a kraut rock band from it must be the 70s it's taken from this live album from some festival from from the 70s um and it's a it's one of his more intact samples where he's just kind of like he's taken this big chunk of it maybe moved the order of a, a few things around up the tempo and changed like maybe the, up the bass and maybe some volume here and there um but it's just it's amazing it's only about a minute and a half this song but the way he just drops in this mad prog rock thing. And I thought, I i mean, it says a lot about how much Elsa pays attention to me at home. I thought I spent a lot of time saying, uh, uh, in my house, but apparently she's never noticed me doing that. But I listened to the song yesterday. I must have listened to it about 20 times since. I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this song at the moment. It's amazing. Uh, what about you, Graham? I think my favourite sample was that um, Virgo's Daughter by Skids Row for uh, Bark Like a Dog. It's just oh, such great. a rollicking good time. Yeah, that, that, that is like a real like good mood song. Um, yeah. All right, one, one last thing. I don't know if you thought about this. Who would you have him collaborate with? I don't know, you know. Um... I just feel like even if I said someone, he'll do it anyway. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I, I almost wouldn't want to pick because I'd rather be more interested in who he he would collaborate with, like who he would just go for it and do it with. Yeah, I suppose you would. I, I don't think anybody would have would have picked Freddie Gibbs, but that that's been such a success. It's like, well, it could be anybody. Who knows? Um, when I was thinking about it, I just thought all my all my picks were just way too obvious. Like I just, um, but I would actually like to hear him do a full project with Pusha T. Um, That'd be cool because I just I just think he he just raps at that talking pace the whole time. His verse uh, on Palm Olive is just so amazing, um, and he, he actually did a short project with with a, a, a Kanye West produced project called Daytona a couple of years ago. And Kanye oh, yeah, is definitely yeah. he's definitely channeling Madlib on that project with some of his production. So I th- I think it could be a, a, a good match to hear a, you know a proper project like that. That'd be great. I think I'd like to hear him do something with um, Flying Lotus, just because I know they know each other, mm-hmm. and Flying Lotus was like a intern at Stone's Throw. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be they would just bring out something interesting with each other. Yeah, yeah, that, that could be, be cool to see him maybe cool. take, maybe like take some Flying Lotus beats and do some stuff with it, or like vice versa, or yeah, 
I think also Flying Lotus, he is a lot more brazenly influenced by, or he's a, sorry, he's a lot, he's a lot more sort of plainly influenced by, uh, you know, Warp Records and IDM and stuff like that. Is he on Warp Records? I think, um, and I love that side of of Madlib, and you don't get enough of it. I just, you know, I love that DJ Rails album. So yeah, I I would love to have uh, Madlib do some more electronic stuff. Um, like I I, I, I can't remember which one it was. Which of the two? I think it was the the, the two thousand and two Red Bull uh, Music Academy interview. One of the people there asked him, "Oh, do you like uh, do you like IDM? Do you like Aphex Twin and stuff?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do all that." <laughs> <laughs> and I bet he can. But I've never. Heard I, I it, think you know. I watched him in an interview, and he said he was going to release uh, a beat conductor, um, or medicine, or whatever, a mix of uh, industrial music yeah and i want i want him to release that because he's clearly done it and just decided not to yeah do it because that was like 2013 or whatever or whatever i um, keep hearing about that yeah i want to hear his weird throbbing gristle industrial mix <laughs> you know actually the, the great thing about madlib and he, he he did say this as well he wants to be the sort of person who is is making music his whole life and is is yeah. you know is is doing it in forty years time. I think he could be that person, really. I, you know, I'd be fascinated to hear everything he does for the rest of his life. I don't, know, I can't imagine what like a seventy five year old Mad Libs music would be like. Um, I also now can't imagine a world where I'm not going to be seeking out everything he does. Yeah. In the future, so I'm like now fully converted. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like listening to Mad Lib is my actual job. Uh, <laughs> but it's not. It's not. Graham, that was me doing some jazz. <laughs> that was my impression of jazz. That was quite. A, that was quite a thing, wasn't it? Another wild and wacky ride. This. This. These two episodes. They were truly rambunctious. Rambunctious, if you insist, Graham. If you insist, um, that was. I mean, that's that's bloody Madlib. That's that you know that's effing Madlib right there. Um, and like I said last time, I've I've not stopped listening to Madlib. Like like I, I, I he's one person over the course of this podcast who has gone up massively in my estimation. He's someone I, I already kind of enjoyed their aesthetic and his approach. But now that I've really listened to everything I could possibly find, I, I, I've got a, I've got quite a grip on on Madlib, and Graham he's got a grip on me as well. What have you yeah. been listening to mainly? Um, that's a good question. I've been listening to the second uh, Freddie Gibbs album a lot. Bandana. Listening to a lot of of Bandana. Nice. Um, but mainly I've just been listening to Bark Like a Dog. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. I just can't stop. And I've been listening to the Skid Row, uh, the original as well. Um, whatever it's called, Gemini's Daughter. Is that what it's called? Probably. Virgo's Daughter. Probably. <laughs> I can't, yeah, it's it's um it's it's pretty tragic. And I've been listening to to Blanca as well. I've been listening to Egan V. Um, and uh, it's not going to stop anytime soon. Um, what is going to stop sometime soon? I.e. now is our podcast. We're going to be taking a little break because uh, this 
process is kind of an enforced mental illness, um, <laughs> listening to <laughs> all the music that a particular producer has ever uh, released. And uh, Mad Lib is case in point of just how damaging and dangerous that is, uh, because it was quite an experience getting through all this music. But as you can tell by how complimentary I am of the great man, Otis Jackson Jr., very, very worthwhile. And um, yeah, I, I, I just love him. Um, but that's not the end. We've not been cancelled because uh, nobody asked us to start doing this in the first place. It's, it's up to us. We decide when we stop. Um, so we'll be taking a little month off to, uh, to, to, you know, to listen to Cannibal Corpse and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we'll be right back to it very, very soon. We've already started making series two, haven't we, Graham? Yes. We have. But don't tell anyone. That's a secret. That's a secret. Um, in the meantime, I would still recommend keeping in touch with us because otherwise you won't know when series two comes. How can people do that, Graham? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProductionWisePod. And you can also search for us on Spotify at ProductionWise mm. as our user. Why do people? Why should people do that, James? Well, it's something to do. But also, if you were to look us up, you would find the uh, slowly building uh, uh, archive of wonderful playlists that we've made, tailored to each episode that we release. Every single producer that we've covered: Terry Date, Nigel Godrich, Rico Kasich, Danger Mouse, Trevor Horn, Madlib. That's all of them. I've just named all the <laughs> episodes of Series One. Um, have their own special playlist connected to them where we give you everything we possibly can to show you what that producer is all about. The Mad Lib one is amazingly dope. I can't stop listening to it at the moment. Um, I would also recommend subscribing to us because, again, when Series 2 comes back around, you'll be able to hear Series 2. Um, but you can also go back and listen to all the old stuff. There's only a few episodes to listen to. It won't be that taxing, to be honest with you. It won't kill you. Um you can do that wherever you might reasonably expect to be able to find a podcast. Um, that's the whole bloody thing, Graham. It's been great. It's been nice to hang out with Graham, to be honest, more than anything. Here I am. Yeah. <laughs> you, can tell, you can see exactly why I like Graham so much. You know, he's such a, such a conversationalist. He's a perfect candidate to host a, a podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> We love it. We love Graham. I do, at least. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for joining us, if you have. Um, I did want to give a quick shout-out to uh, the great Pat Funk. He is the fellow who produced our wonderful uh, theme song. You know that one? We've all had it in our heads over the course of the last few months. I have, at least, because I've heard it so many times, because I think I'm our biggest listener. Um yeah, I mean, he gives our podcast a much-needed touch of class and professionalism that would otherwise be in a massive deficit. Please go and check his stuff out. You can find him on Instagram, Pat Funk with two Ks. Graham's learned that today. Um, <laughs> uh, and sincerely, if, you, if, you've, if you've been listening, even if you've listened uh, for only a few minutes, we very much appreciate it. Thank you for sticking with us. We'll see you next Tuesday. Eglin van der Ambenzine. Oh, yeah.